Good afternoon and welcome to this latest edition of the Elephant TV. Today it is Professor Emeritus of Public Law at the University of Dar es Salaam, uh, Professor Isa Shivji, Asante Sana Mwalimu and, and Karibu Sana to the Elephant. Asante, Asante John. Constitutions don't make revolutions. Revolutions make constitutions. <laughs> <laughs> I always admire Kenyans, you know, that do not let any event pass. They always peg on their organization and discussions on every event. In East African region, I think Kenyans are very good organizers. Now, coming to the constitution, you are right to say that as a document, Kenyan constitution is, is very progressive, like the South African constitution. But sometimes we tend to forget because what has happened later. But Ugandan constitution 1995 yes. was pretty progressive. That is true. Forgot yes, about. yes. And for the first time in this part of the world, what is known as fundamental principles of state policy yes. in Uganda were made justified, just justiciable. Yes. Means that you could you could actually take a take a take a case in the court if those principles were breached. Elsewhere, fundamental principles of state policy are not justiciable. We got those in our region originally from Ireland to India, from India to Nigeria and from Nigeria to our, our countries. So I think let's not forget Ugandan constitution was progressive. Yes. But now, what, 20, 25 years later, yes. why have you forgotten? Yes. Because yeah. what has happened, right? Yes. That's really that true. Party answers, that party answers <laughs> the question that you posed to me. That's true. <laughs> so, in, 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 in 15 years, um, of course, with our demographics, the change will be quite dramatic. Uh, the the yes. demographics, of, demographics across Africa. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the, the prospect is there unless we have eternal vigilance of, um, of us speaking of the Kenyan constitution in the same terms as uh, we're referring to the, Ugandan, the, the 1995 Ugandan constitution. <laughs> Um, okay, I, I, do not, I, do not, I do not want to I'm not putting words in your mouth. disappoint you guys it's, it's, for it's, the future. But, but the point I was making is that it's, it's, it's nice. It's nice to have, it's good to have a progressive document in the, in, as a constitution. But we have seen many progressive constitutions. The constitutions are essentially erected on a certain social, economic, and political substratum, okay? And constitution by themselves do not bring about a change in that relations, yes. okay? Yes. That's number one. Number two, historically, yes. constitutions follow revolutions. They do not lead revolutions, okay? Yes. Once the revolution is made, those who come to power want to consolidate the status quo, yes. right? Correct. So in that sense, constitutions actually become the documents for consolidating and reinforcing and reproducing the status quo. Mm -hmm. I think that should be kept in mind. That's right. I, 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 I admire my fellow lawyers because I'm a lawyer, but I think sometimes it is important to distribute the lawyers of the centrality of role that they want to claim. <laughs> you see, because the agency of revolution are really the people. Mm. It, it, cannot, it cannot be lawyers. Mm. And historically, those, some very leading revolutionaries were lawyers, but they joined the revolution not through law, yes. but through social, political, economic organizations. Yes. 
So that is what I, I, I wanted to underscore. And that's the constitutions don't make revolutions. Now, what is important, and I think I, I briefly touched on it in my keynote, is that it is for this reason that more than the product, more than the document, the process of attaining that document, attaining that product, for me is much more important. Because the process of making a constitution, depending on how far it has involved people, becomes a school of struggle for the people. Yes. A constitution means the people have participated, thoroughly understand the process. Yes. Okay. Is likely to be defended by the people much more than a constitution which is imposed from above. And that is why actually the most contentious issues arise during the process of making the constitution. Yes. Rather than on the constitution once it is made. Correct. Because once the constitutions are made, your redress is legal. Yes. Constitution. Yes. You go to courts. Yes. In political class, which feels secure, doesn't mind you go, going to courts. No. All right? Of course, there are factions of classes. When the political class is fractured, doesn't feel secure, okay? They would also try to control the process of you going to a, to a judiciary. Yes. But in normal circumstances, when the political class is secure, they don't mind you taking matters to the court. In some cases, you may even win, because that gives legitimacy to the Correct. system. Yes. But at the end of the day, and this is again, I'm addressing to my fellow lawyers. Judicial organs, the courts, are part of the state. They're not outside the state. No. You have suppression of power, but you have unity of political power. Yes. Unity of political power of the class. Yes. So don't expect the judiciary. Yes. Okay, to, 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 to help you bring about a revolution, yes. a transformative change. Yes. Yeah. And where judiciaries have given some earth-shaking decisions, like the recent one in Malawi. Yes. People forget that one of the important factors there was not purely a decision by the judiciary. The judiciary could make that decision because the army was fractured. Correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. That is important to keep in mind. Yes. The army was fractured. Right. You will remember that the justices of the Supreme Court were taken to the court escorted by soldiers. Correct. You remember, John? I remember. I remember. You see? Now. So that is important point to keep in mind. Yes. Okay. That's important point to keep in mind. Yes. All right. So I think, uh, 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 I guess, that is what I meant when I said that. Now that is not to that is not to dismiss constitutions, yes. which I think I emphasize even in the in the keynote address. But I think much more important is to always keep in mind the process. And that by would apply not simply of making a new constitution, but also amending the constitution. Correct. Yes. See? The process of amending the constitution, because there is a hell of a lot of difference in my view. The same provision, which comes about as a result of the struggle from below, is far more educative than the same provision which comes from the top. No, 
You see? There's a famous anecdote given by Marx that if you get an eight-hour day because of the struggles of the working class, yes. it's progressive, the step forward. Yes. But if you get an eight-hour work, working day, okay, decreed by the capitalist class from the top, it's not progressive. It's the same provision, yes. but there's a difference. And that is, I think, the process is extremely important. And I'm making this point very conscious of the fact that currently Kenya is talking about amending the constitution. Yes. And so far I'm happy that progressive Kenyans have seen through it. Okay. And I, I, I really wish you success in your struggle that whatever amendments you want to bring to the constitution yes. should be brought back in the public domain with the full participation of the people, yes. not as a result of handshakes and compromises from the top, regardless of whatever the provisions may be. Yes. Um, so I think, uh, John, briefly, that 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 could be my my take on on that issue. Um, Malimu, there's there's um, something which I'd like to ask in in your long experience in terms of, um, and it's something that you you touched on in your keynote, which is. Um, you know, you said that uh, law indiv individualizes collective demands into individual grievances, uh, fragmenting social struggles. Um, and one of the things that we have seen in Kenya, and which you have just alluded to in the comments that you have made, is what we are calling the, the, the judicialization of our politics. But yeah. Political con the arena of political contest um, has shifted from the people into the wood-paneled um, um, courtrooms of, of, of our judiciary. Uh, what is the impact of this in a society and societies like ours that are attempting very rapid uh, major uh, political, social, and economic transformation? Absolutely. You see, I always say, John, that one of the brilliant inventions of the bourgeoisie has been law, the legal system. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it both mystifies reality and at the same time regulates it. You know? Okay. And, and those of us who have been in law and have practiced law, Yes. Particularly from a progressive standpoint. Yes. Again and again, agonize over this. Yes. You see, my practice largely of over 20 years has been in legal aid cases. Yes. In trade union practice. Yes. You see, you get a group of say, 300 workers. Yes. Very militant. Yes. Very articulate. Okay. Yes. They come to you with the complaint. Okay. They want you to take the matter to the court. Yes. To seek justice. Yes. All right? Yes. In those circumstances, you cannot tell them, no, courts should not give you justice. Yes. No. You take them to the court. Absolutely. What do you find in court? The same group, the militant workers, the militant leaders, once they're put in the door, okay, they're mesmerized. Yeah. They're harangued by the opposite lawyer in cross-examination. They're insulted. They're humiliated. You know, you know how things happen in yeah. court. Yeah. 
And they have no agency whatsoever. They have no agency whatsoever. Here the first is robbed lawyers and robbed judges and so on. Mm. Most of the time probably speaking in a foreign language is English. Okay. Right. So, so it really individualizes. It, it, it separates, particularly the leaders from the mass of the workers. In my legal practice, I tried a few things. For example, even in a chamber application, when I went to court, I'd always tell the judge, my Lord, of course, I know the chamber application, and it has to be heard in the chamber, but look, I have 300 clients. Yes. And they must know what is going on. Otherwise, they would feel that I have betrayed them. So, may I please apply to your Lordship to be pleased to, to have this matter in open court? Okay. And that generation of judges, you know, the first generation, second generation, they sympathize with. They would sort of laugh and say, okay, Professor, so we'll go to open court and we'll conduct our proceedings in case wise. Yeah. People listen to what is going on. Yes. And after those proceedings, I'll sit with them with my colleagues, he would explain to them what actually was happening. Because lawyers believe that the law is such a mystery that ordinary people cannot understand it. It is not true. It is not true. Not true. So we tried, we tried, but still you agonize. How militant workers are reduced to kind of sublime subservient witnesses and plaintiffs in court. In law is a very powerful instrument of individualizing people. Very powerful. Because the whole premise of bourgeois law is based on individual. That's true. When you talk about rights and so on, rights are, belong to the individual. Individual are carriers of right. Yes. Okay? Not, not, not the collective. No. Not the collective. You see? So I think that is again something else that progressive lawyers and progressive activists should keep in mind. Right. Again, once again, I'm not saying that you should not go to court. Okay, you can make other context. Court is another front of struggle. Yes. Provided that you do not put all your eggs on that front. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not, not even the most important eggs. Because ultimately, you, you see, judges are not angels. No. Okay. No. I mean, I mean they, they know social pressures. Okay, it's going on in society. Correct. And therefore, it also affects and influences their decisions. Yes. And I found that I found that in practice. Yes. You know? Yes. There's one judgment which we got against us. I had taken up a legal aid case of a woman, a, a clerk, who had fought an election against a very top potato, a political person, very heavy political person. Yes. Okay? And she was defeated. I took up an election petition. All right. There's a massive support for it. And the judge at the high court level decided against us. Okay. And that judge liked, liked to go to the bar for drinking. For next two, three weeks, he couldn't go to the bar. Okay. Because once he went to the bar, people would be pointing at him. Ah, this is the judge who decided against Mama Veja. <laughs> Uh, we won that case in the Court of Appeal. But yes. the point I'm trying to make is that judges are not angels. No. So social pressure does work. Social struggles that do work. Work. Okay? So it is important for us to combine those struggles. 
Let me let me use that to to segue into you know I'll, I think it was around 1993 when I first met you, Malim. When I came yes. looking for you at the University of Dar es Salaam, because right. you you had uh, chaired the commission, the task force, or presidential commission in Tanzania right. into land. Absolutely. And yeah. uh, uh, well, to be honest, you blew all my assumptions uh, out of the water. And I think we spent at least, if I remember, it was over four hours as you educated me and listened, you know. <laughs> and, and for me, it was, it was you know, uh, a very humbling moment and a moment where I said, actually, you know, Prof has actually completely, you know, if not, he's moved the ground under my feet in terms of, of um, um, the impact of the kind of privatization of, of, of land and the, its commodification in the way that it, it was carried out in countries like Kenya, South Africa, Zimbabwe, um, which has led to a very um, particular um, political and economic trajectory after independence. And so I, I wanted to ask you an, another big picture question, uh, uh, Mualimu. Um, 1989, uh, Bob Berlin Wall, Berlin Wall is down. Wind of change blows across the African continent. Um, within about five years of 1989, there were 33 African countries had um, reintroduced multi-party politics and held elections, etc. Um, in America, some top academics on that on in, in, there were talking about the end of history. Uh, right. That. Um, uh, we have, mm. and you know, we have reached the the, the new, the, you know, the, the final order, the final neoliberal order. Right. Now we stand at uh, a point in history now, uh, attenuated very much by the COVID crisis, where this order appears to be unraveling. Yes, and I just wanted your your, your thoughts and wisdom. It's a very general question, Malin, but I know these are the things that uh, exercise you. Uh, basically, to ask, you know, what's going on? Um, I mean, the 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 the, the, the you know the slip and slide uh, has been quite dramatic, um, but it, it's clear something is ending um, across the world uh, for a variety of complicated reasons. Um, um, how do you characterize it? And how do we, as Pan-Africanists, take advantage of this moment um, where um, um, the dogmas of the past to which people were held uh, as if they were the only truth in the room are now being questioned in very fundamental ways? Yes, John. I mean, that, that point in history is important and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you brought it up. Because that transition in Africa from single parties to multi parties, yes. of course, the immediate <clears throat> external event was, was the fall of the Soviet camp, mm. beginning with the Berlin Wall. So now suddenly you found yourself <clears throat> in a unipolar world. Yes. Let us not forget that in spite of uh, whatever the drawbacks, 
when you had a bipolar world, it gave our nationalist leaders some room for maneuverability, particularly in liberation struggles in Southern Africa. Mm. But once you had a unipolar world, and the academics coming up with this chair, Fukuyama, the end of history, Margaret Thatcher, talking about Tina, there's no alternative. Yes. Okay, capitalism is the only gem in, in, in town. Yes. All right? Both progressive as well as also progressive African leaders yes. found themselves in the mind. Yes. That's one. Two, the Western powers changed their, their outlook now. Now that they did not have a rival in the Soviet Union. They did not find any need for military coups. Mm. Okay. So they would not support military coups. Mm, yes. And to sell themselves and to legitimize themselves, they all jumped on the bedwagon of multi-party. Democracy. Mm. Exactly. The same powers who actually were supporting one party. Yes. Or even supporting dictators like Mobutu. Mobutu. Mm. Yes, you know, yes. the supporters of many of the African dictators, Western powers. Mm. Okay, so all of them now push for multi-party democracy. So we suddenly found ourselves going multi-party, yeah. so non-party system. But again, this is forgotten, and that is why I keep emphasizing. I think you made this point that we should learn from our history. Yes. The process of democratization in Africa and multi-party was only one aspect, and I was even the peripheral aspect. Yes. Actually, was very endogenous, beginning with, I believe, uh, uh, Benin. Yes, that's right. It was Benin. Yeah. Exactly, Benin, with massive demonstrations in the street. Yes. Resulting in national conferences. National conference. That's right. You see, national conferences was, was actually invention of Africa. Yes. Of arriving at a new constitutional political order. Correct. Which was very innovative. And, you know. And, sorry, and, go on. And and uh, if I remember correctly, uh, the you know the long-term quote-unquote dictator of of Benin, Matthew Kereku, um, yes. he, um, actually stepped down and retreated to his village and right. actually lived right. a very humble life and was re-elected after that. But it was a very, you're right, it was a very unique process that, that Benin... Very unique process. Yeah. Yes, because in the national conferences, these leaders were called to account for themselves. That's right. You know, which was, which was, which was a very unique process. But, of course, that was cut short. Okay, by accepting or making concessions. Okay, multi-party. Okay, yes. Okay. Now, let me give you an example. In Tanzania, a few of us, when this whole debate about multi-party started, yes. and it was started by Malimu. You see, Malimu was one of the few leaders who saw quite far. Yes. And he said, if you don't change, we will be changed. Okay. Yes. So, so he wanted the transition to be a controlled transition. <laughs> okay. Yes. But a few of us argued, and I remember specifically, I argued, let us not rush into multi-party. Mm -hmm. This is an important point in history where we should have national debates, 
Yes. Okay. Take the stock of our last three decades of independence or so. Yes. Okay. And start the process from the bottom. Yes. By freedom of organization of yes. trade unions, students, women, etc. And multi-party should come at the end okay. after a long process of debate. Yes. Okay. And I elaborated the whole process of how we can get the new uh, uh, political dispensation. Yes. Of course, no one was interested. Yeah. Mm. The ruling party was not interested because it, it, had, it, it had too many skeletons <laughs> in the cupboard, so it would not work. No. Okay. Yes. And and interestingly. The proto parties, the proto opposition parties, yes. were not interested in that process either. That's interesting. Yes, they told me, they told me clearly, she's your way. Why do you want all these two years of debate? We want to get into the state house. Okay. And Point once, blank. once we are there, we can make the positive, the progressive changes. <laughs> you see, and the other they make the new constitution. Actually, John, let me tell you, <laughs> I don't want to be a prophet. But most of these opposition parties are talking new constitution. When they get into power, they'll actually reinforce the existing constitutions. That is true. That is true. <laughs> you see? So I think, once again, the whole question of democracy, I think we should discuss it more deeply, not simply at the level of liberal democracies. Mm -hmm. we, must, we must, of course, have to recognize and acknowledge that our constitutional order, our legal order, is essentially based on liberal premises. Yes. And those have severe limitations, particularly in our types of societies, which are crying out for fundamental transformations of the lives of the people. Mm. All right? Mm. Now, if you impose a liberal constitution or illiberal socioeconomic formation, mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. It doesn't last. Mm. We all inherited yes. at the time of independence yes. from our colonial masters, liberal constitutions, you remember? Yes. And within no time they were changed. That's true. Okay. To yes. correspond with the illiberal underlying structures. Yes. Okay. Liberalism cannot exist in a situation where the political class for the political the state is the terrain of accumulation. Yes. You see? Yes. So various factions and groups are fighting. Yes. They cannot compromise through the institutions of the state. Yes. And they find very difficult to play the game of musical chairs. Yes. Okay, in multi-party elections. And therefore in Africa, hardly ever election is not challenged. Okay? Yep. So I think these are some of the issues you have to keep in mind. And by now, I think large majority of our people actually are fed up with the so-called multi-party. Yeah. Okay. And I, I'll give you an anecdote and then you can ask another question. Yes. When I was doing the land commission, yes. during the same time, there was another commission making the rounds of the country. Yes. And this was a commission on whether people wanted multi-party or single party or one party. Yes. Headed by the Chief Justice then. Yes. Uh, Marhemu Yalali. Yes. And it went down actually and people talk, and it doesn't say people can talk in public meetings. Oh, yes. Yes. Very freely. Okay. Meeting after meeting, people will stand up and speak for an hour 
okay, listing all the grievances. Dispense, dispenses don't have medicine, we cannot send our children to school because we cannot afford uniforms, okay, and so on and so forth. Our crops are not sold, cooperatives take our crops on loan, but they never pay, and so on and so forth. After this thing, they would say, Meshimiva, you ask this, what do we want? Multi-party or single party? Yes. Of course, single party. Because if single party has so many problems, with multi-party, we have double the problems. Now, now there was there was innate wisdom in that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's innate wisdom in 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 that. So I think we have to look beyond yeah. multi-party. Mm -hmm. The democratic process is not simply the question of having multi-parties and elections. Yes. Not that I'm not saying it's not important. It's important, yes. yes. But we have to make fundamental changes, and we have to think of forms of democracy yes also democratization yes where people are involved yes because the land commission yes from what it heard from the people yes interpreted people's contribution yes. to mean that they wanted democratization of land tenure system mm. and for the, what did it mean it meant the power to be able to control their own natural resources. Be able to make decisions on their own resources. For them, that was democracy. Yes. Yeah. Of course, the government never accepted our, <laughs> our recommendations. Right? I, I remember. But, but you can see. Yes. Yes. I remember the challenge of, of actually finding the report um, at, at, mm. at that point, especially um, various annexes of it. Um, but Malimu, as I said, 40 minutes goes very quickly. And, and I, I, I want to pull you back as, as, as we close. And I'm sure we'll be having other conversations because I feel we just scraped the top. And some of the issues you have raised uh, are, are very interesting and provocative, especially now. Because some, you know, there's something sweeping across the African continent, which is, of course, yeah. we have a very young population. We've been having multi-party elections since the early 1990s across the continent. Increasingly, as you said, all of them are contested. Maybe perhaps, I don't know about Botswana, a few countries where the opposition doesn't cause that much of a fuss, but opposition yes. typically rushes to court and, um, and it, it increases the fragmentation in society and, and, so it, and, and that, that kind of uh, instability. Um, and you know, if if you know you've you've been in positions where where you are chairing presidential commissions, say if if uh, the African Union uh, gave you a call and said, Mwalimu, um, this thing that we uh, implemented in the in the early 1990s is having problems uh, in, in in many countries. People don't believe in it. Uh, we, don't trust the, the, the election commissions that are conducting these exercises. The results are always contested and it is sustaining a level of uh, continuous instability uh, and the system itself um, deepening inequality at a time of you know, financial, financialization and, and, and uh, these uh, other, other forces in society that um, are not really to the benefit of the majority. In, 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 our, in our communities. 
And so if, 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 if you ask, say, by the African Union, or say, okay, um, what, what do we then do? Um, this system is not necessarily working out very well for us. Um, uh, our societies uh, are, are what they are. Uh, how should we begin to recover um, agency to the majority of the people and have uh, a system of governance, whether it involves one party or many parties, that, um, that has legitimacy in the eyes of the people? You mentioned the process is very important of, first of all, the people need to be involved in sitting down to, to discuss um, uh, what kind of process they want. How, 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 is, how, how would this uh, be engineered? And um, uh, how, how does one, you know, one of, the, one of the strong arguments that is made in, for, for democracy is that uh, as an instrument of, of accountability. So every five years, um, you all line up and those who the leaders who have not delivered, uh, you can vote them out, uh, and those who you feel have done a better job can be reelected. But the whole system is is in challenge, not only in in, in Africa but also in the West. The, the, you know, yeah. Donald Trump is complaining; he's worried about the election might be rigged or something yeah. in the US. So, um, uh, if, if 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 you are doing an aid memoir to the African Union of, of how to, to to begin to 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 get a more legitimate, credible, uh, inclusive system uh, in Africa. Uh, what, what did you tell them? Uh, <laughs> Difficult question because whether I would accept such an assignment to start with. <laughs> because African Union at the end of the day is a union of states, right? That's right. Let's call it a trade union of heads of state. Yes. <laughs> But of course you would argue, you would argue for the opening up of space, number one. Number two, you would argue that you cannot simply have a liberal political governance system without looking at your social economic structures. Yeah. And Africa is crying out okay, for a, what one might call a broad kind of social democracy, yes. where it controls its own resources. Yes. All right. Yes. Because at the moment, our resources are being controlled by monopolies, multinationals, largely from the West, yes. and assisted by our own compradorial classes. Yes. Okay. So I think on that level, you have to make fundamental changes mm. if you really want a political governance which is stable. You cannot have political governance is stable in a situation where, where the economy is highly unequal, where resources are controlled from outside or by a small elite. All right? So the two have to go hand in hand. You cannot simply talk about liberalizing political governance. You must have a vision or change economy. And by the way, when you go back to Pan-Africanism, which is supposed to lead Asia, although it doesn't take much pedestry, the, 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 the Manchester, the fifth Pan-Africanist Congress, yes. if you read the manifesto, it's extremely interesting. Mm. It talks substantially in two or three resolutions yes. about why the strategic sectors of the economy yes. should be in public hands. Yes. It talks about social democracy. 
in 1945, talking about social democracy, right. he's talking about strategic sectors of economy must be in public hands. Okay. Now, with neoliberalism, we have gone to the other extreme. You not only privatized production sectors, but we have prioritized all our public goods sectors, education, health, sanitation, water. We are even prioritizing our water and resources and mountains, forests. Okay, all these are being commodified and privatized. In such a situation, actually, we are, we are, I, I, we just do not want to acknowledge, but we are in a very dangerous situation. Mm. And our states, they don't are accepting all these things. They're going ahead with it. Mm. All right? They're going ahead with it. So, these are some of the issues that you would have to push for. And that is why I've been arguing several articles on pan Africanism. And now is the time not to leave the Pan-African question to the states. Right. We have to keep on ourselves in our own concrete situation. Yes. When in 19, was it in, towards the end of 1970? No, 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 before that. When they were reviving the stuff community, remember? Correct, yes. Yeah. That was, yeah. that's when, 1994 uh, or 94, something yes. like that. President Ali Hassan, President yeah. met in Arusha. Right. Yeah. Right. So I was at the time at Warwick doing my sabbatical. Yes. And I wrote back to several comrades, Kenyan, Ugandan, and Tanzanians. I said, while the states are talking about opening up, mm. okay, we should push for East African peoples, the Statue Assembly. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Totally parallel. Mm -hmm. Which would meet at the same time as the Legislative Assembly is meeting, mm -hmm. where trade unions, parties, civil society organizations, your individuals, prominent individuals, academics would attend. Yes. And they have their own discussions. Yes. So it did not leave the process to the state. Yes. Of course, it was not taken up. Yes. But it seems to me that in concrete situations, hmm. we can concretize some of our Pan-African vision, Pan-Africanism of the people, yes. okay? Yes. By taking opportunity, because history offers certain opportunities, and they should be grabbed at the right moment, all right? Yes. Uh, we should take that up and advance the cause of Pan-Africanism by solidarity, by meetings of the people. Not leave it just to the states. Thank you, thank you uh, so much, uh, Malibu. Uh, that was so rich, and I feel very incomplete given uh, the amount of time we have. So I am going to to request that we are we 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 follow up this conversation with another one. So we'll, sure. we'll stop this one now, uh, so that you know it, it fits in with the time. Um, and uh, I would like to thank you. Once again, so much for, for your time, uh, your wisdom, and your service, not only to Tanzania, but to all of Africa. As I said, uh, our most respected, some of my, my lawyer friends who I respect the most, uh, all say that you're the one who trained. Talk to the judges you most respect. Uh, Isa Shibji is our trained. So, uh, so Asante Sana for you, 
and for the work that you have done. And uh, once again, for, for you know, your lead author for, for this really impressive biography of Mwali uh, Munyarani, which I hold up again, and we shall share the details of how anyone who wants to obtain it can have it sent to them. Uh, I, we managed to get ours even during COVID, so you know, deliveries are being made. Asante sana. Takusema asante sana. Shukran Mwalimu thank you thank you very much john yeah. i always admired you people in kenya and thank you very much for giving me this opportunity to to, to give my views and to exchange views but in these times of covid where we are all <laughs> we are all sort of uh, self-isolating and shut up in our own houses is always welcome, such opponents always welcome. <laughs>